Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Meet him, greet him, treat him, and street him. Today's date is March 26, 2020, and I am your skeptical host, Ken Milne. The title of today's podcast is Crazy Game of Pocus to Diagnose Shoulder Dislocations. And our guest skeptic is Dr. Tony Zedek. He is an emergency medicine physician in Miami, Florida. He's also an assistant professor of emergency medicine for Florida International University and Nova Southeastern University. And Tony is the research director for the Emergency Medicine Residency Program at the Kendall Regional Medical Center. Welcome to the SGM, Tony. Thanks, Ken. I've been a fan of SGM for a long time, so it's really my pleasure to join you today. Well, I have to admit, I didn't know the theme music, Crazy Game of Poker. What? Who, who does that? It, it, clearly, it's not from the 80s. Yeah, OAR is an awesome band. Uh, you should definitely listen to that song Ad Nauseum and all other things by OAR. Well, it's great to expand my musical repertoire. But right now, we're in the middle of a COVID outbreak, a pandemic. How are things going in Florida? Well, as with a lot of places, it's not good. Fortunately, we're not getting hit as hard as other places like New York City or Spain or Italy. And my hospital is definitely not overwhelmed at this point, but a substantial number of patients we're seeing right now either have COVID-19 or think they have it. Um, but that being said, it'll be nice to talk about something other than COVID-19 for a little while, as I think a bunch of us are getting information overload. Yes, I spent a full day uh, on COVID-19 today, and so this is going to be a wonderful time to just get nerdy and do a critical appraisal. But I will put in the show notes some links to some resources on COVID-19, and to all my FOMED friends out there, stay safe, we're in this together, flatten the curve, and stay home. All right, Tony, give us a case. An 18-year-old previously healthy male presents to the emergency department after sustaining an injury to his right shoulder after colliding with another player during a football game. On examination, there is a loss of the normal rounded appearance of the shoulder. You suspect that the patient may have a shoulder dislocation. He has no history of shoulder dislocations in the past. Will you order an x-ray or perform a point-of-care ultrasound to confirm the diagnosis? Well, despite shoulder dislocations being a very common injury presenting to the ED, you know, it's only been covered one time on the SGEM back in number 121. Now, this episode tried to answer whether it was better for the shoulder to be immobilized in an external or internal rotation post-production. And you know what? We still don't know if one position is superior to another. Emergency physicians frequently perform pre- and post-reduction x-rays for patients with shoulder dislocations. However, some prior studies suggest that the routine performance of these x-rays may not be necessary, especially in patients with recurrent dislocations who have not sustained any direct trauma. Point-of-care ultrasound, or POCUS, which has been covered many times on the SGEM, has previously been studied for its use of diagnosing shoulder dislocations with most prior data suggesting that POCUS is highly sensitive and highly specific for the diagnosis of shoulder dislocations. Yeah, and as with other applications of POCUS, the use of ultrasound for shoulder dislocations has the potential to reduce the time to diagnosis, reduce radiation exposure, 
and lower cost. However, prior studies about the use of POCUS for shoulder dislocations have used a variety of scanning techniques, and some have utilized just as few as two sonographers. Additionally, one study found only a 54% sensitivity for identifying persistent dislocation after a reduction attempt. All right, Tony, what's the clinical question we're going to try to answer on today's podcast? What is the diagnostic accuracy of point of care ultrasound for the diagnosis of shoulder dislocations as compared with x-ray? And the reference? Seco et al., Musculoskeletal Ultrasonography to Diagnose Dislocated Shoulders, a Prospective Cohort, Annals of Emergency Medicine, February 2020. As a regular listener, you know we run through a PICO, so what was the population? Adult patients with suspected shoulder dislocations who presented to one of two EDs when a study investigator was present. And they did have some exclusions. Patients with multiple traumatic injuries, a decreased level of consciousness, or hemodynamic instability. All right, what was the intervention? Yeah, so they did a pre- and post-reduction POCUS to evaluate the shoulder using a posterior approach. Now, you're going to have to explain that for us, and this is an audio format. So if you can sort of paint us a picture of what that approach looks like, and I'll put some pictures in the show notes. Yeah, sure. Basically, the POCUS technique was as follows. The sonographer palpates the spine of the scapula and then places the ultrasound probe directly over the scapular spine. The study protocol allowed sonographers to choose either a linear or curvilinear probe. The sonographer then traces the scapular spine laterally until the glenoid and humerus are identified. Using this technique, the glenoid and humeral head both look like hyperechoic semicircles. They should be very close to each other, and if not, that indicates a shoulder dislocation. After assessing for dislocation, the sonographer can assess for fracture by fanning the probe from a cephalic to caudal direction. A fracture appears as a disruption in the normal contour of the hyperechoic humerus. And again, it might be difficult to understand this technique without a picture, so we've provided one in the blog. All right, what did they compare it to? They compared it to pre- and post-reduction x-ray results. Let's run through the outcomes. What was the primary outcome? The primary outcome was the diagnostic accuracy of POCUS for shoulder dislocations. And how about the secondary outcomes? Yeah, there were several. The presence or absence of fracture, time from triage to POCUS exam as compared to x-ray, time from POCUS exam initiation to diagnosis, determination of glenohumeral distance of non-dislocated and dislocated shoulders, and sonographer confidence in diagnosis as measured on a scale from 0 to 10. So the author's conclusions were, quote, a posterior approach point-of-care ultrasonographic study is a quick and accurate tool to diagnose dislocated shoulders. Ultrasonography was also able to accurately identify humeral fractures and significantly reduce the time to diagnosis from triage compared with standard radiography. All right, Tony, it's time to run through the checklist, and this will be a checklist for observational studies. So the first question is, did the study address a clearly focused issue? Yes. Did the author use an appropriate method to answer their question? Yes. 
Was the cohort recruited in an acceptable way? No, it was a convenient sample, only enrolling patients when Estigator was available. Was the exposure accurately measured to minimize bias? That's not applicable for this study. The fifth question, was the outcome accurately measured to minimize bias? Yes, for the primary outcome, but no for all the secondary outcomes. Have the authors identified all important confounding factors? Unsure about that one. Was the follow-up of subjects complete enough? Yes. How precise are the results? There were wide confidence intervals around the point estimate of sensitivity and specificity for dislocation identification and even wider for fractures. Do you believe the results, Tony? Yes. Do you think you can take these results and apply it to the local population? I'm unsure about that. And the 11th question, do the results of this study fit with other available evidence? Yes, they do. All right, let's run through the results then. They enrolled 65 patients in the study. The median age was 40 years, with 58% being male. 49% of patients had a dislocation out of the 65 patients, and 32% had a history of a dislocation. What was the key result, Tony? POCUS had a 100% sensitivity, specificity, positive predictive value, and negative predictive value for diagnosing shoulder dislocation. How about the secondary outcomes? Yeah, so 25 of the 65 enrolled patients, which was 38%, had fractures, with 13 being Hillsacks slash Bankart's fractures. Yeah, and if you just looked at the non-Hillsack or Bankart's fracture, the sensitivity was 92%, the specificity was 100%, with the positive predictive value of, again, 100%, and a negative predictive value of 98%. POCUS was 43 minutes faster from exam to diagnosis as compared to x-ray. And then, remember, they did measure that medial glenerohumeral humeral distance. And if you had an anterior dislocation, it was about 1.8 centimeters. Now, it was only 0.2 centimeters if you didn't dislocate your shoulder. And then, if you had a posterior dislocation, and there were a few posterior dislocations, it had a measurement of 3.3 centimeters. Yeah, and finally, sonographers' confidence in their POCUS diagnosis was 9.1 out of 10 in non-dislocated cases and 9.4 in dislocated cases. All right, we've got to my favorite part, the time to talk nerdy. Do you want to talk nerdy to me? Huh, Tony? Tony, oh, you want yes. to talk nerdy? Oh, yes. Uh, let's do five things then. All right, the first thing is about the accuracy of POCUS to confirm shoulder dislocations. And the data suggests that POCUS is highly sensitive and specific for the diagnosis of a shoulder dislocation. However, this study utilized a convenient sample of patients that were all ultrasounded by one of six sonographers who were either ultrasound fellows or ultrasound fellowship-trained attendings. Yeah, that being said, there is some evidence that less skilled sonographers can use this technique with high accuracy. In fact, the author cited a study by a friend of mine, Shadi Laham from UC Irvine, in which novice sonographers had a 100% sensitivity and specificity using a posterior approach POCUS examination. 
So overall, given the study at hand and the previous studies assessing POCUS for shoulder dislocations, we can say pretty confidently that POCUS, especially with the posterior approach, has very high sensitivity and specificity for the diagnosis of shoulder dislocations. And the sonographers were very confident in their diagnosis. This was not surprising given the small group of skilled sonographers performing all the ultrasounds. It's unclear if POCUS would have the same diagnostic accuracy in the hands of someone like me who's a frontline rural community emergency physician. Additionally, while the study was technically multi-center in that two facilities were involved, one of the two sites enrolled only five patients. Therefore, this was mostly a single-center study. For this reason and others we mentioned, we question the external validity of the study, and I'm not sure that if the ultrasounds were performed by your typical community emergency physician that you would achieve such impressive results. All right, let's move on to the second nerdy point, and this is about the accuracy of POCUS to confirm shoulder reduction. And in the study at hand, 27 of 32 subjects with dislocations had post-reduction POCUS exams performed to confirm an adequate reduction. Per the study protocol, all 32 were supposed to have had a post-reduction POCUS performed. But there were five cases, ooh, my favorite number, where this didn't happen. Now, the manuscript says it was because the study sonographer was unavailable after the reduction for various reasons, without further explanation. And this could have introduced some selection bias and increases our skepticism of the results. Number three, accuracy of POCUS for shoulder fracture diagnosis. Of the 65 enrolled patients, there were 25 with fractures, 38%. POCUS identified only 52% of those fractures. However, all but one of the missed fractures was a Hillsacks deformity or a Bankart lesion. There were 12 non-Hillsacks slash Bankart's fractures in the study, and POCUS identified 11 of those 12. The one missed fracture was a surgical neck fracture of the humerus. Overall, for non-Hillsack slash Bank Arts fractures, POCUS was 92% sensitive with a 95% confidence interval of 60 to 99.6% and 100% specific with a 95% confidence interval of 92 to 100%. Hillsacks and Bank Arts fractures are generally not relevant to the emergency management of patients with shoulder dislocations, so it's probably okay to miss those fractures. That's true. However, an 8% miss rate of non-Hillsacks slash Bankart's fractures is too high for American medicine. Moreover, given the fact that the confidence interval on the sensitivity goes all the way down to 60%, and that, as we described above, the sonographers were all likely to be more skilled than average. So an 8% miss rate may be lower than what would be expected if your standard community emergency doc started using POCUS for shoulder injuries. And just to confirm, what is the acceptable miss rate in uh, America for anything? <laughs> I think it's a round number, isn't it, Tony? What's, what's the nice round number that's acceptable? Yeah, it, it is zero, unfortunately. All right, let's get to number four then. This is measuring the glenaral humeral distance. The sonographers in this study calculated the glenohumeral distance, 
This is the distance between the glenoid and the tip of the humeral head. The median glenoid humeral distance was minus 1.8 centimeters in an anterior dislocation, like I mentioned in the results section. It was only 0.2 centimeters in a non-dislocated shoulder and 3.3 centimeters in a posterior shoulder dislocation. Now, negative numbers indicate that the humeral head has moved away from the ultrasound probe, while a positive number indicates that the humeral head is closer to the probe. This is a bit difficult to understand without a picture, so we'll put a figure in the blog to demonstrate what the authors were actually measuring. The authors found the optimal cutoff to distinguish an anterior dislocation from a non-dislocated shoulder was negative 0.5 centimeters. Now, the point of measuring the glenohumeral distance is that when the shoulder is dislocated, the separation between the glenoid and the humeral head should be pretty easy to see as the distance between the two is substantial, usually about 2 centimeters for an anterior dislocation and 3 centimeters for a posterior dislocation. Yeah, so let's talk about the last talk nerdy point, number five. Time saved with POCUS. The median time to POCUS from triage was 51 minutes as compared to 101 minutes for x-ray. The amount of time saved in the real world, if any, is entirely dependent on the system in which the physician is working. Exactly. I love that kind of answer because it all depends, right? POCUS could save time in facilities that have long waits for x-ray. However, in a facility with a single physician coverage like mine... The x-ray tech may have completed the x-ray before I even see the patient to perform the ultrasound. Therefore, I don't think we can say that POCUS would consistently result in a more rapid diagnosis in all facilities. And one final point on that about time saved is we didn't get length of stay in the department in this paper. And it would have been interesting and informative to see if you saved any time from triage to discharge by putting that POCUS piece in there. All right, it's time to comment on the author's conclusions and compare them to the SGEM's conclusions. Yeah, so we generally agree with the author's conclusions. Tony, can you give us an SGEM bottom line? Sure. While POCUS has very good diagnostic accuracy, clinicians should keep using x-rays as their primary imaging study for patients with suspected shoulder dislocations. And can you resolve the case you presented? Sure. Given the direct trauma sustained by the patient in his football game and thus concern for possible fracture in addition to concern for shoulder dislocation, an x-ray of the shoulder is performed. The x-ray reveals a dislocation without an associated fracture. The shoulder is reduced and reduction is confirmed with POCUS. The patient is discharged home with appropriate discharge instructions and follow-up advice. All right, now let's talk a little bit about how we're going to take this study and apply it clinically. Yeah, sure. I don't think ultrasound should take the place of x-ray at this time with regards to evaluation of patients who have sustained a shoulder injury. And primarily, this is because the accuracy of POCUS for the diagnosis of shoulder fractures has not yet been demonstrated. There were only 12 non-Hillsax slash Bankart's fractures in this study, so it's hard to draw precise conclusions about POCUS for shoulder fractures. However, if there is really an 8% or more miss rate, 
POCUS should not be used for patients in whom shoulder fracture is on the differential diagnosis. In their discussion, the authors argued that POCUS was accurate for the diagnosis of shoulder fractures and as support for that statement, they cited a prior meta-analysis that had reported that the sensitivity of POCUS for detecting fractures associated with shoulder dislocations was 97.9%. However, when they mentioned that study, they neglected to report that the calculation was based on tiny numbers such that the 95% confidence interval was 10.5 to 100%. So that would be considered a very wide confidence interval around that point estimate. You can't get much wider. Remember, there is already evidence that you don't need to get even an x-ray to confirm the diagnosis of shoulder dislocation on every single patient, especially those with prior dislocations and no direct trauma to the shoulder. I've seen these cases, the guys that come up and just do the high five and their shoulder pops out, or they're blocking a basketball rebound, or they're spiking a ball in volleyball, and they've been in the department a half a dozen other times with a shoulder dislocation. They know it's out. The main reason to get an x-ray for many cases is, in fact, to make sure that there's not a fracture as opposed to or along with the shoulder dislocation. Therefore, in some cases of shoulder injury, no imaging, even POCUS, is needed to accurately diagnose the shoulder dislocation. It can be an end-of-the-bed diagnosis. I can walk in the room. There's usually a young male holding their arm going, ah, ah, because it is painful, and the shoulder is squared off. And using that device we call an oculometer, that's my eyeball, with a retina being directed towards that shoulder, and given the story, a shoulder x-ray is not necessarily indicated. In other cases, though, absolutely the x-ray is needed. Not so much because you need to confirm the shoulder dislocation, but to exclude a fracture. Pending further data to support the use of POCUS to accurately diagnose shoulder fractures, POCUS should not replace x-rays for shoulder injuries. On the other hand, I like the idea the authors suggested of using POCUS to confirm the successful reduction of a shoulder dislocation. Prior data has already found that in some cases it may not be necessary to perform any imaging after a shoulder reduction. However, if you aren't completely sure if you've reduced a dislocated shoulder and if you don't have any reason to believe that you've caused a shoulder fracture with your reduction attempt, which is very rare, POCUS is likely sufficient to confirm the reduction as opposed to x-ray. Additionally, if a patient was sedated for a shoulder reduction attempt, POCUS could be used to confirm the reduction while the patient is still sedated to avoid the very messy situation of having to re-sedate the patient. I hate those messy situations with re-sedation. All right, what are you going to tell the patient? Patient, you have a shoulder injury. Ultrasound is very accurate for the diagnosis of shoulder dislocations, but x-ray remains the first-line imaging test to assess for both dislocation and fracture. I'm concerned you could have a fracture or a dislocation, so we are going to perform an x-ray. It's time to announce the Keener Contest winner, and last week's winner was Jonathan Godfrey. He is a firefighter paramedic from Ashfield, North Carolina, and he provided not one, not two, not three, not four, but five references for chest x-ray and CT findings of COVID-19. And I'll throw those in the show notes. What's the question this week, Tony? 
Where was the first emergency ultrasound training site? Well, if you know the answer where the first emergency ultrasound training site was, then send an email to me at the SJAM at gmail.com. With Keener in the subject line, the first correct answer will receive a cool skeptical prize. Well, thank you, Tony, for distracting me from some COVID-19 and giving me a chance to talk nerdy. Thank you, Ken. It's been really fun. Well, there's only one thing left to do, and that's to give the SGEM tagline. Remember to be skeptical of anything you learn, even if you heard it on the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe, everybody.